Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast, brought to you by the Hoopheads Podcast Network and hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, as always. Today, I'm joined by my dear brother from the same mother, Drew Zanskis. What's poppin', Drew? Uh, that's personal. Ooh, okay. My bad. My bad. Anyhow, so I have shared on this podcast before kind of the genesis of my NBA fandom, that being the beginning of the LeBron Heatles era. Also, the Kobe LeBron debates and um, the tie it back to the Bucks, Brandon Jennings, nasty Oak Hill, flat top hoop mix tapes. Um, and I thought the guests may be interested, Drew, in uh, if there are any major NBA storylines or particular play- players or eras that kind of mark when you truly became a real NBA fan. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I really started paying attention. Uh, about the time that LeBron James got drafted, you, you really just couldn't avoid it. Um, and even if you if you could, I don't know why you would have. He was just such an explosive athlete. <laughs> uh, sensational at everything around the floor. Uh, he couldn't shoot, but nobody really could at the time anyway. Uh, he was just tough to look away from. And, and then once you start watching the NBA, obviously there's Kobe. Uh, me and Dean, our older brother, obviously feuded over that as well. I was on <laughs> the LeBron side. Same. Uh, but, you know, the, the – in Milwaukee, you didn't really have much to cheer for for a while, so I didn't really get much into it until we finally started an accidental tank uh, the year we got Giannis and paid too much money for O.J. Mayo, and we finally had some hope and a reason for me to watch. Uh, that's when I kind of started looking into the analytics. Uh, I mean, I was aware that you once you can space out the floor more, obviously that's better, but that's when I was starting to look like Brandon Jennings maybe should have never really been a high draft pick. Never should have been leading a team in any way. Uh, so it's maybe impressive that we were as good as we were, a sixth seed at one point with him leading the charge. But, you know, uh, pretty cheesy way to get into it. LeBron James uh, started my interest and Giannis really piqued my interest, which uh, led to my knowledge at this point. That checks out. And it's it's kind of funny for the listeners because although I've been quick to share the beginning of my NBA fandom, um, not that it's sensationally unique but i thought i maybe came into it slightly later compared to uh, how interested i am at this point but i actually didn't really realize that until we talked about this yesterday drew that <laughs> you're that the beginning of your fandom kind of started with lebron too which makes sense but i do remember um you being high on Giannis in that 2013 draft which was super impressive i wasn't into the draft at that point but another thing i would like to share with the guests 
Drew, which somehow I haven't shared on the podcast before, um, but it is the first ever victory I ever I ever had against you and probably uh, anyone ever in my life, and that's when we were playing Kobe Bryant's NBA Jam. I think there's a different name actually for it. Uh, I think that was NBA Courtside 1997, actually, yep. yeah. Good try, though. <laughs> for the listeners out there, I was born in 97, so I mean... Not to say I was quite coming out the coming out the womb schooling people in N64, but not long after, I defeated Drew with John Stockton splashing threes over Kobe Bryant himself. And yeah, that's that's really where my cockiness began. So also why I was a huge John Stockton fan in my youth, despite him not being the most exciting or flashy. I'll still go to bat for him, but <laughs> my fandom has uh, expanded from there. Enough of the beginning banter here. Um, so the purpose of this dra- of this podcast is to go through our uh, 2020 NBA draft reactions. It is the draft. I think I can speak for both Drew and myself that the draft is maybe my favorite day of the basketball calendar. Would you say the same? Um. Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, I mean, you're plugged into all the information, whereas the NBA offseason, you're just seeing reports from uh, the, just the reports. You don't know what all happened before that. The draft, you're seeing a lot of stuff happen. You're getting all the information right away. Uh, I think it's also fun to watch teams uh, either really show why they've been prominent for a while or watch teams uh, mess up a pick and either prove <laughs> you wrong in the future or just... Uh, you know, you continue to laugh at them as you may have been doing so for a while, i.e. the New York Knicks this year. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. And I think what really kind of uh, sparks my attention with the draft is that you're guaranteed to have like a billion interesting storylines. And what I love most about being an NBA fan, besides the basketball, is uh Secondly, being able to play that armchair GM role. So not to say that NBA draft is as exciting as game seven of the 2016 NBA finals, but, you know, before games, you never know what the result's going to be. But with the NBA draft, you always know it's going to be exciting. Uh, I, I would also oh, yeah. say like smoke screens leading up to drafts. I think watching those either play out or not work is just hilarious to me. Like, uh, as we're going to talk about here at some point, a player went number four here that uh, I, I did kind of – I was prepared for it to be a smoke screen, and it clearly was not. <laughs> smoke screens to me are hilarious, you know, just uh, really prominent NBA officials just lying to one another, trying to freak them all out. It's just hysterical to me. It is really fun, and I think it's particularly shocking. Many analysts have said it that um, this is a- – this would be a draft where there was a lot of potential to have some major trades like we've seen in the past, but uh, I don't think we saw any trades whatsoever until at least like midway through the draft yeah. from what I remember. Yeah. Um, so getting into it, um, Drew and I and many others, including J.J. Rivera from the 305 Culture, we, uh, the three of us at least and many others predicted the draft would go as it did. Uh, Edwards going to the Timberwolves. Wiseman going to the Warriors, and Ball going to the Hornets. Now, what Drew had mentioned before was that the first, uh, at least to me, because I wasn't as plugged in with this pick, 
somewhat shocking development was Patrick Williams going to our uh, I-94 rivals, the Chicago Bulls at number four, over particularly on Isaac Okoro. Uh, I can see why they did this, and in my eyes it's uh, because William has more potential as a shooter. Okoro is going to come in an effective defender from day one. Williams probably won't take much time either to become an effective defender, but um, I mean, Okoro is clearly the, I would say he's clearly better on the defensive end than Williams, and that's not really holding anything uh, against Williams. Um, But yeah, as far as the shooting potential that the Bulls probably saw in Williams, um, Williams, the only real knock knock on his jump shot is that he's kind of a little slow to get it off. However, Okoro has a lot of questions as far as his inconsistent mechanics. Um, He has an odd tendency to shoot fading away from the the three-point line on catch and shoot, similar to that of a LeBron, but he's no LeBron. And he also flares his elbows (laughs) on his jump shots. Uh, All that said, Drew, do you have any takeaways on those first four picks at all? No, one through three went pretty standard. Uh, Once we saw Clay Thompson had the potential to now we know actual season-ending injury, I thought maybe Mm -hmm. the... The Warriors might shake things up potentially and go ball or something for more uh, backcourt depth or mm-hmm. playmaking as well to allow Steph to kind of run off screens potentially. But, you know, if you're going to study a whole offseason and you think they're going to go Wiseman, you're probably not going to change your decision at the, you know, the 11th hour of the draft. Yeah. So that wasn't too shocking. The Williams one, uh, as I said, there was a report a couple weeks before the draft that the Bulls were kind of keying in on him. I thought that was a smokescreen. Then I saw the reports uh, two, three more times. And, uh, you know, when this is just not a – I guess the quality at the top of the draft is just not high. The difference between Williams and Okoro maybe isn't that big. That being said, I would have gone Okoro. Mm-hmm. I assume – yeah, it, it's tough. I, I can see where they're coming from with the the shooting potential. I mean, Okoro only shot 67% from the free throw line compared to uh, Patrick Williams. It looked like he shot about 83%. Uh, comparatively, Patrick Williams is a better three-point shooter. Uh, neither shot the ball a lot in college either from three-point mm-hmm. line. So we'll see if that translates. Uh, I'd have gone to Coro. I thought he popped a lot more athletically. Not that Patrick didn't. Okoro uh, looked like one of the best athletes in the draft. Uh, it, to me, it also looks like they play different positions as well. Okoro uh, looks like a... Two, three, four at max, and then Patrick's probably a three, four, maybe a small ball five. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they must have saw a need of that position more and valued shooting more. That's all I could really say. Yeah. And uh, moving down the draft order, um, we had at number eight, I believe. I mean, the Knicks have, have selected at number eight, similar to the Bulls selecting often at number seven in past years, but they took Obi Toppin with their. Uh, with their first pick in the first round. And I was never incredibly high on Obi Toppin at all. I don't think I'm alone there. He just doesn't seem to have a great fit in the NBA. Um, and yeah, it's it felt like a very Knicks move to, to pick a guy who would be a, just a pure four, whereas we don't see him being quick enough to defend threes let alone some fours maybe, and also is probably isn't 
quite big enough or effective at much of anything defensively to guard fives either. So I'll be interested to see uh, how he develops with the Knicks. I'm not particularly high on it. He is a New York kid, I guess, which is, like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess that that's one thing. And he's a part... And he is a CA, CAA client. Am I saying that right? Maybe not. Regardless, he is a client of the same agency where uh, Leon Rose, the... Uh, right? Like, I yeah, think he's, yeah, like, yeah. he's, like, an office ex- executive with the Knicks who has strong ties to an agency... So people are really high on that for the Knicks, maybe being able to get some bigger fish if they're from that uh, high-quality agency. But yeah. So if you didn't want Obi there, which I'm completely fine with, I, I, that's not a great fit for the Knicks, given that they have you, their whole team is just power forwards. And yeah. Frank Nealikina and like two other point guards. Who who do you take in there? Do you think? So I'm looking down, and I remember I was texting with. Um, Justin Matcham of the Cavalier Central Hoopheads podcast. Mm-hmm. And we were both, we were each texting on like what's happening with Denny Abdia. Cause I think yeah. I had mentioned yeah. in uh, past podcasts that this is definitively like a three player draft, but I could see people talking uh, Denny into being like a clear number four or not being far off from that number one tier. Yeah. So I was shocked that he would go to the Wizards. If I were the Knicks, I would have I would have easily taken Denny over Obi. But also, the thing with the Wizards is like I feel like they're one of the few teams that maybe could have fit in Obi. Okay, and I know there's conflicts with Rui because he yeah. he he may also be close to a pure four, but I think he's more versatile where he could maybe maybe be more likely to slide up to a small ball five, but. He's just so bad at defense, though. You know that's that's sacrificing yeah, so much. Yeah, true. I just think, really, I would be hard pressed to find any good fit for Obi. But I think yeah. the Wizards have just such um, a lack. They're one of the few teams that I feel have a lack of depth and talent um, in the front court. Even while there's a surplus of bigs in the league, so maybe that could have been a fit for him. But Fair. I don't think there could have been a great fit. Okay. Um, now. A little further down the line, we had um, our next somewhat surprising move, and that was uh, the Suns uh, doing similar to what they did last year with their uh, 10th pick and selecting a Cam Johnson number 10. Everyone thought that was a reach, and many felt the same when they selected Jalen Smith number 10. Now, I know you and I had had a lot of talks about maybe the most intriguing prospect in this draft once you get beyond those top three. And that's uh, Alexei Pokashevsky. I did a bonus analysis on him. And I remember I was looking at the uh, at the draft analysis of both Smith and Pokashevsky in uh, consecutive order, and I was kind of thinking to myself, this Jalen Smith guy could be pretty special, where he has a lot of... He can do a lot with shooting the ball and being more, I mean, I don't know how creative he could get <laughs> beyond the three-point arc. Not quite as creative as Pokashevsky could be, but um, the floor with with Smith is definitely higher than 
than Pokashevsky's, and I don't think their ceilings are, like, crazy different. I don't know, because Pokashevsky could be a three potentially at seven feet tall if he reaches his ceiling, which may be unlikely. But do you have any thoughts on that Jalen Smith selection and maybe that comparison uh, that I had between the two? Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah. So Jalen Smith, that's not who I would have gone with for them. For them, they just needed kind of depth everywhere. I would have gone with Halliburton, uh, mm-hmm. kid out of Iowa State. Uh, you can play someone probably better at a two. Uh, point guard or shooting guard. Um, they went Jalen Smith. Uh, you know, it looks like he can shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, two-year guy out of Maryland. Uh, he was a five-star recruit out of high school. You know, he has a pedigree. Uh, I don't value uh, centers that much. He at least has a three-point ability. Uh, he picked up his free-throw shooting this second year. Uh, he, he, he blocked the ball at a very high rate in college. He blocked the ball, with, <laughs> I think it was... He was on pace for four blocks for forty minutes. It's quite high. Uh, I, so I don't. I don't want to knock the pick that bad. I would have absolutely gone Halliburton. Uh, Pokeshevsky, uh To your point, that he he's he is the definition of boomer bust. Uh, I probably wouldn't have drafted him here as well. Especially the Suns. Just the Suns are going to be good this year. They should have drafted yeah. a contributor right away. Uh, Jalen Smith is probably going to be a backup five. I'm assuming. Back of four, considering that they brought back Dario Saric. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they could have done Pokashevsky here. That being said, I love Pokashevsky. If you were a bad team in this draft and and you were looking to tank, draft that man. I think he's going to be sensational. Yeah, I I agree, and he did. Um, we'll maybe get into a little bit yeah. a little bit of it more later if it's necessary. But for what it's worth, Pokashevsky did end up going number seventeen. Uh, initially to the Timberwolves, but that was eventually traded to Oklahoma City Thunder. So uh, a lot of us may be maybe even more frustrated frustrated with Oklahoma City getting another guy with uh, immense potential. I would also like to add Oklahoma City. Do they trade two first-round draft picks to trade up in this draft? They traded some solid draft capital to get Pokashevsky. And their, their, team with, their team with all these picks, that's a smart move to just... just Sell some stuff. Go get the guy with the highest upside in the draft. I thought that was a brilliant move. Exactly. You've seen you've seen it a lot with Boston and all the first round picks that they've gotten, and uh, and at some point you have to consolidate your consolidate your assets because I mean they like I I feel like yeah. Wanamaker played pretty well this season, and now he's. I mean, there there was no way they could have even fit him on the roster with all the young guys that yeah. they have. So maybe the Celtics in previous drafts and perhaps this one, I don't, I don't remember quite all, all the lower tier trades, but uh, at a certain point you have to consolidate those assets and go for, go for a bigger swing Absolutely. when you have that ability. Now you mentioned Halliburton as well um, from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and um, also former uh, Iowa State guard. I really liked him too. It would not shock me at all if he ended up being a top five guy in this draft when it's all said and done. He's just incredibly versatile. You mentioned he could play both the one and the two. And Bucks fans were uh, understandably maybe frustrated when he ended up falling number 12 to the Kings, considering the, the Bogdan uh, saga. 
But also the Kings don't really have a tremendous history of developing their talent uh, much at all. That's maybe alluding to a guy who we just got on a training camp deal. We will (laughs) go through that later as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, we we went through Bogdan just earlier this week and how he's officially on the Atlanta Hawks now. After the Sacramento Kings let him go for uh, nothing, um, when ideally for both parties they could have gotten Dante, DJ, and Ursan and we would have had Bogdan. I would also like to say the Kings said previously – well, earlier in 2020, that they would match any offer for Bogdan Bogdanovich. Things maybe changed when uh, uh, they they parted ways with the coach that clearly preferred Bogdan to Buddy Heald. But, you know, they clearly mismanaged his asset and Bogdan. Uh, yeah. Maybe the, the league poo-pooed that deal with us. That's really the only way that I'm going to choose to look at it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we clearly agreed to a deal way before the free agency period had opened. I'm assuming the league poo-pooed it, and the Bucks and the Kings, I'm thinking, are worse off for it, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, is right there. And, yeah, we do wish Halliburton all the best because we'd love to see our Wisconsin guy fulfill yes. the, again, immense potential that he does have. Um, but, yeah, kind of peculiar of the Kings, I agree, to not match uh, Bogdan and... Some reports had mentioned maybe having the opportunity to select Halliburton could have could have uh, could have adjusted their view on Bogdan, but I think that's that's a little silly. Bogdan can play the three. Halliburton yeah. can play the one and the two. I, d- I don't think there's any issue with having both those guys on roster, especially no. Halliburton being a rookie. Uh, we touched on Pokashevsky, so I want to then go down to. A guy whom I had mentioned before we traded our number 24 slot that uh, of those that I've reviewed in past uh, episodes that Tyrese Tyrese Maxey would be the guy who I would want the most if he were to fall to us. He ended up not falling to the Milwaukee Bucks, of course, but somewhat close. He went 21 to the Philadelphia 76ers. Bucks fans won't like to hear that he's joining our rival who was able to shake up their roster as well besides picking the uh, solid prospect in Maxi, They moved uh, the Horford deal for a Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson draft pick that would become Teo Maladon. And... Uh, I believe it was like a 2025 first round pick and then rights for a European guy whom I am unsure will ever come to the league. Now, um, (laughs) I don't know if people can hear our dog going crazy upstairs, but nevertheless, um, I thought that was a great deal for the Sixers. But of course, if the Bucks are concerned at all, not good for us. In addition, the Sixers were able to move Josh Richardson and the draft pick that would become Tyler Bay, the forward out of Colorado, uh, for Seth Curry. So they added even more wing talent and uh, shooting around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So Bucks fans must be pretty disappointed that um, that their rival has a roster that makes sense now. But uh, do you have any thoughts on this about the Sixers or the Bucks' perspectives at all? 
Yeah, I mean, even the OK, not the OKC, the Mavericks perspective, I, this is a really good trade on all parties' accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get rid of Al Horford. The, the Thunder, I, I don't know what they're planning on doing this next year, but Al Horford, I'd like to think, can still compete at, you know, a starting Yeah, a when he's not trying level. to play power forward. Yeah, you know, he could play power forward when he's 28, not at this age. Yeah. Good try. I'll, I'll tip my hat to them. They gave it a shot, but didn't work out. Uh, Danny Green to the 76ers. I mean, did you lose Josh Richardson, who was a good defender? Yeah, you got Danny Green, who's a good defender and can shoot the ball. Uh, so that was a bit of a bummer. I did not like to see them get him. Uh, they also got Seth Curry, one of the greatest shooters in the league. Very disappointing to see. That's that's exactly what the Sixers need. Yeah. Uh, Josh Richardson to the Mavs. That that's great for them. You know. Yeah. They need that. They need a defender. He's a very good player. Like that's all I can really say. Good for them. Uh, really just bad for the Bucks. I don't want to see the Sixers get better, and they they unfortunately did. Hundred percent. None of us have forgotten last Christmas that. Uh, poo-poo platter that the Bucks put out there. <laughs> and uh, especially Giannis did not have a great game last Christmas. However, um, yeah, if you're a Sixers fan, you, you definitely wanted to get rid of preferably Al Horford. You probably wouldn't have grimaced at the thought of losing uh, Tobias Harris's contract mm-hmm. either. I mean, I wasn't particular. If I were a Sixers fan, I wouldn't be particularly excited about getting rid of Josh Richardson. But I think I've mentioned it on the Bucks and to where um despite how how great it is to have a potentially historic defense like the bucks and the sixers last year or rather last year the sixers if they fulfilled their potential um you you know you 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 may be better off uh fixing your offense a a bit even at the expense of your defense because that'll probably still hold up if you get rid of a couple pieces um, so I'll also say about that deal. Initially, I, I thought it was weird. I understood where they were coming from from a spacing perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Seth has three more years on his deal, uh, and I really wanted the Bucks to get him last in the last year's off season. Okay, you know, just a very good player. Uh, you know, not the greatest distributor he can. Just shoots the lights out. Uh, even casual listeners of this, they're going to know the name Curry. They're going to understand <laughs> that a guy named Seth Curry can shoot the ball. Uh, Josh Richardson, this is potentially the last year on his deal. He has a player option next year for $11.6 million. If I'm Josh Richardson, I'm opting out of that, and I'm going to go get more money. So for a, on a longevity standpoint and maybe for the sake of a better fit and considering you already have a good defense, it's a pretty good move in my eyes. Yeah, I didn't even realize that Richardson could be, could be gone after next season, so it, that definitely helps. It feels like he just case. signed that contract like yeah, a it, year Yeah, it totally right? does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's funny. But um, moving down to more uh, Bucks adjacent uh, draft talk, um, selected at the number twenty four slot that was our position was R J Hampton, who we had gone through before, and this is a really funny situation. Now, uh, Sam Fasini, who Drew and I are quite keen on. He had said on multiple podcasts, he was just raving about this guy's intangibles and saying that there's no way this guy's going to fail. He has a great family and supporting um, support system around him. Um, and I didn't even quite notice this during the draft. I could tell like he wasn't excited. But from 
other people that I've listened to and going back, um, you can tell clearly someone in his family, it might have been a little brother, just chucked the Buck's hat across the room. <laughs> and I also, I didn't see this, but I think uh, someone on the ringer was saying that they could tell that, like, his dad had, like, dropped an F-bomb when he was going to be select- selected to um, us or the Pelicans. And eventually he's now on the Nuggets. But, I mean, I'd, I don't know. I feel like that's an area that's RJ Hampton couldn't have expected to go um, at a much different slot. And maybe he's just not a fan of Milwaukee. Maybe, I don't know for sure, but he might be from, like, Texas. But just the audacity of that kid to be so frustrated about. So, so the way the way I'm choosing to look at it was he was aware that we no longer own that pick. Mm-hmm. And was aware that he was maybe going to get dealt again. And he was just annoyed. Potentially one from dropping further than he wanted. And now he was maybe going to get shipped off again. So, he really yeah. didn't know where he was going. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't really... Well, not a lot. Some people don't want to play in Milwaukee due to, you know... They would rather play in Miami, L.A. Fair. You know, I'm not that type of person. I don't really even like going to Chicago. It's too many people for me. I also <laughs> just, you know, not a fan of the Bears or the Bulls. So, I'm probably biased towards the city as a whole. Yeah. But... Maybe he didn't like the <laughs> he did not like the market of Milwaukee, or maybe he was just fed up of as as far as of how the draft was going for him on a personal level. I could see the frustration, but can't really put him put myself in his shoes too much because I never really reached this level. Unfortunately, <laughs> tough for me to say. Totally fair, and I don't know. It's just kind kind of silly of me <laughs> when now, like Drew said, we have never reached the heights of any of these guys, and really any area especially athletically so hard to relate but hopefully hopefully kids like these get get humbled slightly when they get to the league and especially after falling late in the second round but he's also young i don't know how well i would react he's got to be 19 18 19 you know i've also been humbled since then by much smaller things as well yeah i'm also gonna go get another beer i'll be right back for sure Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis. Be sure to check out our other team-focused NBA pods. Cavalier Central, Risen Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Motor City Hoops, and Hashtag Lakers. If you're looking for more basketball coaching, playing, and parenting talk, subscribe to these basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Moving on to a little further down the draft, just a little quick notes here. Uh, some takeaways were... Uh, in the 20s now, so we reviewed guys like uh, a Desmond Bain and a Tyrell Terry, whom uh, I thought had the potential of not even making it to the, the Bucks slot, especially Terry. Both of them went consecutively at picks 30 and 31, respectively. And um, they slid that far because of questionable uh, selections, also consecutively at uh, 25 and 26. I suppose they would have made it to 24, but 
the Knicks. The Knicks and the Celtics selected Emmanuel Quickly and and Peyton Pritchard consecutively. I going into the draft certainly would have seen them going in the second round, and more likely to have their selections flipped with that of a uh, Desmond Bain and a Tyrell Terry. But you know, who's to say why teams? Uh, made the decisions that they did. They have yeah. access to more data than we do. I, I think sometimes what we have to keep in mind as well is sometimes teams are looking at, at fits with certain players to potentially keep them in the G League for a year as well. Yeah. Uh, given <laughs> Emmanuel Clickley was not on my radar at that pick. Uh, Desmond Bain definitely was. I thought Desmond Bain could have gone earlier. <laughs> It's maybe some other stuff that weren't some other information we're not privy to, you know. Uh, again, I would not have gone quickly. Definitely yeah. should have been Bane. I'm I'm assuming it's something to that degree, or mm-hmm. just you know, something they, with it. Quickly, quickly, I'll I'll give him this. You know, he looked. I did not research him that heavily. His highlights looked all right. You know, he looked like an NBA-ish athlete. It didn't look like somebody that I think is going to be that has no chance of being in the league. Still, yeah. still, I would not have picked him there at all. Yeah, I could definitely see him having having a decent career. From what I understand, he can shoot the lights out and has yeah. has more guard skills too. So, um, may, maybe uh, maybe I'm falling victim to playing too much of the comparison here. But I mean, that's that's the draft for you. Yeah. Um, and then zooming in, um, some I other. Mean, oh yeah, sorry. You also never know, like. Quickly's agent maybe just had a better relationship with the, the team as well. Mm-hmm. That that does play a, a big impact into it as well. Uh, these these are things that sometimes w- when we see weird picks or maybe players get paid too much in free agency, we don't think about these things. Mm-hmm. And that is something that kind of comes out later. There's a connection. Uh, obviously, with Quickly, as I've said, I didn't I, I didn't really look at the guy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Me neither. I don't know his agency. So. I'm assuming there's something weird going on there, or they just really liked him. You never know. Yeah, and also I've noticed that these weren't the first uh, first round selections for either teams either. That's so, true. That's true. Yeah, probably not worth too much analysis. Maybe in the same vein. Um, again, I found myself second year in a row being quite jealous of the Memphis Grizzlies draft selections. Memphis, Gri- the Memphis Grizzlies are um, one of Maybe more so in the past, but one of my Western Conference teams, so to speak. And this year they selected Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Uh, someone at the, at the ringer uh, coined, coined those selections as the all-NBA Twitter nerd team. I like to say I'm somewhat included in being an NBA Twitter nerd and uh, also made me think back to last year when I was giddy over the Memphis Grizzlies selecting Brandon Clark. And yeah. he certainly um I mean he he was he was first team all rookie, right? That was dumb. He should have gone much earlier. Yes he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was just foolish. Yeah. So good on the Memphis Grizzlies for selecting as well as they did for the second year in a row. We've already talked a lot about Desmond Bain. He's gonna come in um He's just going to shoot the he's, lights yeah, out. He's just yeah. going to shoot the crap out of the ball. I don't want to say elite, but elite would be uh, one of the first words you think of when you 
talk about his shooting at the college level. Tillman is particularly a very uh, niche prospect as far as NBA Twitter goes. Um, he, he um, I mean, he clearly downside with him is he's like solid, like damn near like 6'8", 240, if I remember correctly. I think that's correct. So he's, and nomin- nominally with his skill set, you want him at center. Um, but um, he could also be really effective there because he can move his feet uh, pretty well for a center to make up for his lack of size. And that's something that is that kind of uh, goes along with the modern NBA. So that's why I'm excited about those Memphis Grizzly he did, selections. He defended really well. He, yeah. A lot of blocks per game. It looks like 2.1 this year, 1.7 per game as a freshman or as a sophomore. Um, and to kind of circle back to that Jalen Smith selection at ten, you know, I I don't I don't really value big men that much. So yeah. maybe, maybe if you could have gone Halliburton or you know just another guard or wing player who could shoot the ball, maybe defend well as well, go mm-hmm. there and then come back and get Tillman. That's maybe a better way to go yeah. about it in my eyes. I I totally agree. Um, yeah, I've touched a lot on. I've been thinking about how I can articulate this on this podcast. I mean, but clearly. I'm not alone in thinking that the center position is the least valuable um, among the NBA. And maybe that's more relative to the surplus of bigs and how easily it is to get them on on a minimum deal or close to that. Um, But there is some sort of dichotomy there also when I bring in Brooke Lopez because I don't want that to really... uh, Cloud Bucks fans' judgment of how important Brook Lopez is, whereas generally the center position and the standard skill set there is like a rim running big with not a ton of skill. But that's not where uh, Brook falls. He's clearly an elite shooter and also uh, definitively elite uh, rim protector. And that floor spacing especially is uh, helps Giannis be as excellent as he is. Not only on offense, but him being so good as a rim protector allows Giannis to play more of that uh, free safety role. So I wanted to try out explaining my thoughts on the center position uh, as it relates to not only the NBA, but for the Bucks too. So um, I'll move on from there. And um, kind of the last thing, only... Um, Bucks uh, adjacent that we're going to run through here are um, approaching the Bucks slot uh, at 45, our first pick of the second round. Um, there were two picks that really jumped out on me, and or yeah, jumped out at me, and that's because um, there are two guys that I analyzed on this podcast. Uh, that's a Trey Jones and a Jamias Ramsey. Um, Frustratingly, Trey Jones going to the Sacramento Spurs, who always, they seem to draft, um, damn near draft too good for themselves, because I don't know how how they're going to be able to consolidate all these young guys that they have and develop them, uh, develop them all at once and give them the attention they deserve. But they got not only Trey Jones at 41, which is a steal, but also we're able to get the sell at 11. Same vein with the Kings. We touched on them getting Halliburton at 12, but then they got Jemias Ramsey, who I was high on at 43. 
Um, maybe yeah. maybe that's more of. I get the feeling I may be more high on Ramsey than others, but getting him at forty three, I think, is solid value. Uh, I think that's solid value. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wasn't too high on him. Forty three. You're, you're just kind of you're just throwing stuff at the wall, hoping yeah. it sticks. You know, there's. Granted, that's what the Bucks had to do this year, and I thought they did a solid job. But uh, Trey Jones, just to me, I thought was a first-round pick. Yeah. Uh, Jemias, I, I thought would have been an early to mid-second-round pick, so this is about his range to me. Uh, granted, you know, good job on the Kings for recognizing that and drafting him there, you know, not reaching. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, it is absolutely disappointing that the, the Spurs, yet again, have drafted a guy that fell too far. You know, I thought maybe... Every damn year. It's just, you know, I, I would have preferred... I, I feel like I'm coming off as just this just massive Halliburton fan on this pod. Which, you know what, never mind. I'm you're, okay with that. That's you're fine. not alone. <laughs> I like Halliburton. But, you know, it's not like the Spurs messed up by going Vassell. Vassell's a very good player. I liked him as well. I just simply preferred Halliburton. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was one where I was like, oh, look at the Spurs. They're going to take Halliburton here to go Vassell, whatever. I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm wrong. They get Trey Jones in the second round, man. I'm so sick of the Spurs. Just stop it. Just stop picking on the rest of the league for missing other players. This is why, like, look, granted, they're not a championship caliber team anymore. That wasn't going to continue for a third decade or whatever decade they're on for dominating. But, dear Lord, just, you know, stop it. I'm sick of you. Go away. Tank, maybe. Lose the good players. Let Pop go. I'm sick of you guys being relevant. Yeah, come on, Spurs. Lose some games like the rest of us. Yeah, you know, just suck for a bit. We've been there. It's yeah. not fun. Let other people be glorious. Bucks fans know that. That's for sure. And, uh, yeah, I know Drew would likely remember this, but um, so the Spurs have literally been good since I was born. So as I as I was an NBA fan, um, you know, I before, of course, the LeBron Heatles and Kobe LeBron debates, Brandon Jennings, I, I – I kind of followed along. I mean, I had two other brothers who were into sports, so I couldn't I couldn't be totally out of the loop, but I just I knew I couldn't like the Spurs just because even 10 years ago I was just incredibly annoyed like why the heck are these guys so flipping good every single year? So as much as I respect them for being as excellent as they are for a small market team, uh I'm admittedly pretty jealous of them. Yeah. Um or yeah, not only uh, previous years, but also these draft slots. I mean, if we look back a couple of years um, when Lonnie Walker was drafted, I wanted the Bucks to draft him when we passed up on Lonnie. I think for Dante DiVincenzo, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Which I was upset about. I was Thanks. clearly, I was clearly <laughs> wrong. That's fine. Dante's very good. Uh, I mean, I, I would also like to have Lonnie Walker. You know, I think he's a very good player. He's shown some bursts of. Uh, I think he's going to be a starter in this league. He could be a good three, uh, three and D kind of guy. I mean, I think he could potentially score you double digit points for sure. He looks like a pretty good player. The year prior as well, what did they do? Oh, I can't quite remember. I feel like they got somebody good after we drafted DJ Wilson as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of that too, and it's mm. escaping me. Um, I don't know if Derek. I don't know if it would have been Derek White. I don't remember. I did want Derek White but... too. I do remember uh, that it... we didn't draft Derek White, and we could have. Also, when we drafted Thon Maker, this is one I was thinking of as well. Dejounte Murray just fell. Yeah, he just, yeah. which was weird. Mm-hmm. We had the tenth pick, and I was sitting there, I was like licking my chops, you know, <laughs> getting real excited for Dejounte Murray, who was turned into a pretty solid player. 
very good defender. He can't shoot the ball from distance, unfortunately, but he just signed a four-year, $64 million contract. Yeah. I would like to have him on the Bucks. Um, maybe not as currently constructed due to his lack of shooting and with the fact that we have Giannis, but he's he's a winning player is, is the point of it. Uh, but it's... It's just so frustrating to watch them do this every year. Yeah. You know, the fact that we just brought up three guys, I'm pretty certain we forgot another good player again. We it's, definitely geez, forgot someone because I remember, I particularly remember Lonnie Walker, but the Spurs and even, um, even the Bulls at one point when they were like definitely better than they are now. Yeah. I remember, well, ironically, I was I was somewhat excited about Bobby Portis, whom the Bucs have now. I, I um, did like him that draft, too, yeah. to be fair. And also, um, I think Denzel Valant. See, the funny oh, thing is, yeah. is these guys don't necessarily, they don't, the, the Bulls, I feel like, have had a problem developing some of the guys that they've drafted, um, even though they have drafted fairly well in the past, where I, I would have definitely been happy getting them. So, Bulls and Spurs have been teams that have in the past drafted around us and have gotten whom I wanted. So, incredibly yeah. annoying for a Bucks fan. Um, I'm going to move forward here and kind of lean more into Bucks content because the Bucks did draft two players whom Drew and I are fairly excited about, that being Jordan Nawara at uh, number 45 out of Louisville. Uh, he's a 6'7", 225 uh, pound uh, small forward um, I would say nominally um, with a 6'10.5 wingspan he last year uh, shot 40.2% on 6.1 3 point attempts he has deep range um, he is kind of the standard left to right footwork on his jumper and has potential as a movement shooter Shoots 44.6% on catch and shoots. Has a lower release, but uh, he has quite the fluid jump shot. Um, I I mean, maybe the percentages percentages, um, won't shock anyone when I have this take, but I don't have any questions on him being an NBA-level shooter. He can also hit step backs. Was 54.7% in transition, which is good. Effective driver, um, um, given his size and a good good cutter, he has he, he's able to get by with his handle, although it isn't like especially a skill of his, and he can create off the dribble. Um, despite not being the most explosive athlete, um, he can hit runners and floaters, and is uh, Marked as a good team defender, but somewhat of a red flag of note from an, from the analyst that I was getting this info from was saying um, that he is this good team defender when he wants to be, but, I mean, we'll see. In the end, uh, number 40, 45 pick. So. I think something to look at with him as well is he was asked to, to do everything on, for them offensively mm-hmm. at Louisville. Uh, he, came, he came into... Uh, Louisville, I think he, what was he? I have this written down somewhere. Uh, he's a four-star prospect, 56, 56th ranked. So, you know, he, he wasn't like the guy everybody was going for. He's somebody that you want your, your college team to go out and yeah. get, though. Um, shooting percentages are sensational. He's, he's going to come in and he's going to score a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry. He's not going to score a lot necessarily. I think he's going to fit into our system well offensively. So long as he's not asked to do everything on the offensive end, 
I'm excited for what he can do as a team defender. We're not going to throw him out there on, on, you know, like LeBron James, Kevin Durant. We're not going to try yeah. to get him killed out there. May he get switched onto them and then he gets killed. That's potent, That's a potential. But at, at the 45th pick, what do you, I'm completely fine with that. That's sensational value. Exactly. Yeah, and it's also, speaking to that, uh, that value, um, for him as a defender, he can guard threes and fours and some twos. Now, at, at size of, uh, 6'7", that's kind of like the ideal size you would want from an NBA player. Speaks to how he's able to slide and defend three positions, but it seems that he's kind of better uh, suited sliding up as far as um, kind of player he'll be uh, defensively. Yeah, um, saying that he yeah. can guard two is kind of shocking me, to be quite honest. Yeah, you. yeah. I don't know if he has that lateral quickness. Yeah, that would that'll be one of the cons that we get into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he only allowed opponents to shoot uh, 35.8% um, when he was defending them um, on ball. So that uh, speaks pretty good. I mean, I think... If I remember correctly, it was definitely around the same range as like an Anthony Edwards, who clearly has like the ideal physical tools that you would want out of an NBA player. Um, um, yeah, I don't know for certain. I don't want to guess on the other guy that he was compared to, but he also had some seven point <laughs> seven uh, rebounds uh, at the college level. So for a six seven guy, that's pretty good. Some of his cons uh, are that. Although he has off the dribble shooting potential, he only shot 31.3% on those. And also only 482 at the basket. Typically, you it's probably something you would want him to be putting up a clip of at least 50% at. Um, and uh, big uh, knock on him is his lack of explosion, explosion which uh, lends some difficulty f- uh, for creating space and turning the corner for himself. Questionable shot selection, but as Drew noted, that um, he was asked to do a lot. So um, hopefully he'll uh, fix that once he once he's afforded less touches per game. Uh, he is not necessarily a great passer either. He yeah. His his assist to turnover ratio is point of five seven. So that's nearly two turnovers for every assist in the past two years. Yeah, so that's hori- that's horrific. That's something that will probably improve. When he's around better players than mm-hmm. him on the Bucks, uh, hopefully it's it's a ratio of one to one. I guess you know yeah. that's <laughs> I, you know I, any improvement there would be great. Yeah, and um, yeah, as we mentioned too, he does have some issues uh, against quicker guards, and that kind of speaks to how we were mentioning that he's more suited defending uh, up rather than defending twos for the most part. Um. And then, yeah, uh, moving on to a Sam Merrill, who we got with the last pick in the draft. But Drew and I are particularly excited about this guy. He's 6'5", two, uh, and 205 pounds. Do you have his wingspan by chance? Uh, I do I'm believe he's that. built like a box. I'm pretty sure he's 6'5", <laughs> six by 6'5". Six yeah, let me get that up here. One second. <laughs> Uh, that's cool. I don't mean that as an insult because I'm also built like a box. Yeah, six five by six five. I mean, he might be six four and a half by six five. Yeah. Like, is, mm-hmm. All intents and purposes, he's a box. Yeah, similar to you and I. Um, but there are other reasons that he is a uh, that he was uh, 
and be a draft selection, and unfortunately, you and I were not, Drew. (laughs) um, I should note, I'm going to take this opportunity to tell the guests, and Drew is my witness, that just before recording, I did dunk on a 10-foot hoop in our driveway. I am witness to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our mother also witnessed that. Uh, Joni Baloney was there, and Tucker, our dog, Mm -hmm. was also there. There are three witnesses. This is not a lie. He can dunk. I did miss one dunk before, but I'm I mean, one in two, 50, 50%, that's pretty good. I'm not going to tell you guys my usual success rate, but, you know. Also, also for the listeners of the pod, uh, Devin's huge. He's massive. He's seven foot six. Uh, <laughs> clearly, he can't jump over a book, but he's a big fella. <laughs> that's true. My vertical would not be something that would be listed in the pros uh, when going through my uh, when going through my draft analysis. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Finney coaches are looking for. Uh, a Sam Merrill, an older prospect who could uh, maybe fill it up for you at a lower level uh, D1 school like a Utah State where Sam Merrill's from. Uh, hit your boy up. <laughs> Anyhow, um, Sam Merrill, number 60 selection. He hit 41% of uh, his threes uh, shooting 6.8 threes per game. And he was at 42% on 5.8 attempts for his two-year college career. I believe two years, right? Uh, four-year college career. Let me actually oh, hop shoot, in there. Right. I, I, I don't even think you're trying to sell him short here, but his three-point percentages are off the charts. Freshman, year 45.1. Sophomore, year 46.4. He clearly – I'm assuming <laughs> he was doing less with the ball at that time. Uh, it does look like that is the case. Junior fell all the way down to 37.6. What a loser. And then senior at 41%. Uh, this kid can shoot the lights out. Free throw percentage as well. I'm just going to cover this while we're here. Uh-huh. Freshman year, 87.8. Sophomore year, 84.9. Can't read my own handwriting. Junior, 90.9. Senior, 89.3. So even if he were to have shot the ball at 35%, the free th- as a lot of uh, NBA fans know, free throw percentage as a college athlete actually uh, translates – better towards your three your three point percentage as a pro if you're a good free throw shooter in college you're likely to be well you're more likely to be a good three-point shooter in the pros uh so we're looking at a kid that has no problem shooting the ball at all yeah if you want to go look at his highlights uh 60th overall pick uh you know it's it's actually a good watch uh for a guy who i wouldn't even describe as very athletic it looks like athletic enough yeah uh very fun highlights to watch. So absolutely go ahead and do that. I'm sorry I took over that, but no. I, did, I did want to get that mentioned. No, you're, so do you know um, Do you know how old he is then? Because from a conversation we had yesterday, so Dog played at Utah State and um, he missed what would have been, I thought, it looked, I'm, I, taking, I'm taking this from what you said, so feel free to jump in. Yes, and uh, I got this from the internet. Uh, Google. So if you have a problem with what I'm saying, just uh, this. Yeah, talk Google. Talk to Google about it. Yeah. Uh, so he's 24 right now. Typically, you know, when you're looking at somebody who's graduating from college, if they don't transfer anywhere, it's around 22, 23, based off of when you go to college. He's 24. At ages 18 and 19, uh, he did a uh, oh geez, what is the word for this? Uh, service trip yeah. for uh, because he is Mormon and. Uh, that is what occurs 
for some people who are Mormon. I don't really know enough about Drew and Mormon. I aren't Mormon, we are if not any of y'all are wondering. Yeah. So, if you're looking for Mormon sources, do not tune into Nook if you buck. And, yeah. And sorry, I'm doing a poor job of selling this. I, I, I probably should have researched that a little bit further. Regar- regardless, he did not play uh, for the team for two years, uh, which is, you know, I think that's a good sign for him as character-wise. He could clearly play and he, he took two years off when he realistically, if I'm him, I maybe would have tried to play first, see if I have a shot at the NBA and maybe push that off until after I'm done. Uh, he, he did that at 18 and 19, maybe the most pivotal times for you to try to make the NBA, really. Uh, and he comes back. He does pretty dang well. Uh, so that's why he's so old. It's just because, you know, he put his ego aside and he did what was expected from him uh, due to his religion. So I think yeah. character-wise, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, shout-out Sam Merrill for being able to make it as far as he was considering. Um, I mean, yeah, typically, like in RJ Hamden, we mentioned being drafted at 19. This sure. dude was fulfilling his, his uh, religious obligations during that yeah. time and for a year after. So for him to still get drafted, uh, especially when potential is is uh, taken into account more than ever before, um, just as far as teams are analyzing their prospects and trying to get their their bite at the apple, uh, for him to get drafted really speaks to um, his likely productivity at the next level. Um, he has, uh, quote-unquote, some of the smoothest uh, uh, footwork on his shot in the draft. He can go, I've mentioned the left-right, right-to-left footwork, but he can before but he can uh he can go both ways exceptionally well needs very little room to get his to get his jumper off and he also uh has served as a pick and roll ball handler at utah state um maybe doesn't project to be as much of that at the next level especially on the bucks but he ranked ninth ninth among uh all division one players with 120 attempts at uh, points per possession for shots off the dribble. Um, and he loves the step back to his left and can also hit mid-rangers, although at a smaller sample, he hit them at a 48.7% uh, rate, which is good, and shot 45.1% on catch-and-shoot jumpers, 44.4% off screens, this year, and then 47.3 last year uh, on uh, threes off screens. Drew mentioned his uh, exceptional production at the free throw line. And, um, yeah, he had uh, 3.9 assists per game um, with only 1.6 turnovers. So kind of the inverse of Jordan Noir in that category. <laughs> um, and, yeah, better passer than the average shooting guard. Um, which is kind of what he'll project as similar to uh, Jordan Nawara, where mainly just used as shooters. But uh, hopefully for the Bucks case, as we saw in these playoffs, we kind of want shooters who can do more than just shoot. We, I, At least personally, and we saw in these playoffs that we need players who can be a little more dynamic than just a Pat Connaughton yeah. uh, standing in the corner. I know that also gets more complicated because – you also have to think, well, did we play less like the Miami Heat? Well, you know, I, I tend to think that maybe our shooters are a lot more stationary because we have uh, the ball in the hands of Giannis, who, although he can be a passer, passing is is not necessarily his strength. So maybe 
him having the ball yeah. in his hands lends to the necessity of our shooters being a lot more predictable, which allows our opponent our opponents to play further off of them and form that wall. So that was my biggest concern going into the offseason was finding some people who could freaking create for themselves and others rather than just stand in the corner. And hopefully they can be used that way yeah. by Mike Budenholzer. Um, all that said, I'm going to quick run through some of the cons on Sam Merrill. I mean, we've discussed his age. Um, uh, but athleticism is also probably his biggest weakness. Um, he isn't a great on-ball defender and um, doesn't do the best job of uh, getting skinny around screens. And, uh, and yeah, isn't the quickest laterally and that is kind of what makes him better defending larger guards similar to noir in that vein he shot um uh, but yeah despite his lack of athleticism and i mean size isn't terrible but no it's pretty it's pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. um he did shoot 52.6 of the basket again sort of in contrast to jordan Wara, but uh yeah, looking at his highlights, uh, looked like he could take a hit to the body and still finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. that, that's probably not going to be like a a very regular outcome for us on the Bucks, you know. Yeah. Given the, it's tough to predict how much time he's going to play, and the fact that he's definitely not going to be the best athlete on the yeah. court for us. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it it's nice to see that at that level he could. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day. Um, Bucks aren't really um, putting a ton of stock into these guys. If it's not obvious based on their draft selection and the other talent we have on, on the court, so I mean we can't get too we can't get too uh, concerned about these selections. But I, I guess feel, it, you know I feel like we've shown more excitement about uh, a forty fifth and sixtieth overall pick than I ever would have. Uh, part of that is just because we've had a look into it this year because they're actually likely going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like they're both NBA players, though. So, I mean, yeah. that's really all you can ask from those picks. Exactly. Um, but um, let's see. Lastly, on Merrill here, um, let's see. He could do a better job at getting getting to the line. Again, less likely to be playing that role on mm-hmm. the Bucks, as we've mentioned um, and we've mentioned that that he really doesn't need a ton of space to get off his shot, which is uh, yeah. exceptional. But uh, creating that that space and separation from NBA athletes isn't really a strength of his either. Um, and uh, last note on him is, as we've probably mentioned, is that he's best suited uh, off ball and as more of a secondary playmaker, but we think that he has the potential to do that at the higher level. That is maybe even a little bit better this year, uh, given that we have Drew Holiday as well. Mm-hmm. Probably a better playmaker than well, he is a better playmaker than Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, and uh, the way that we were utilizing George Hill as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine. That's completely fine. Yeah. Overall, uh, Drew and I are are definitely uh, feeling good about those selections. I yeah, would say very satisfied for second mm-hmm. round picks. Yeah. Especially a 60, holy cow. Yeah. Considering relative value, Drew and I are high on the topic or those selections. Um, now, we had some other um, direct Bucks news 
just since I last recorded a couple nights ago, um, and that is Nick Stauskas and uh, Justin Patton coming to the Bucks on uh, training camp deals. There was some confusion, admittedly, on my end with uh, the Stauskas selection. Um, I believe we, we alluded to it earlier with uh, the Kings selecting Halliburton and us uh, not feeling great about those odds for Halliburton fulfilling his potential. And some of that has to do with Nick Stauskas, who had an um, exceptional college career and was therefore selected number eight by the Kings way back when and really has not really done much of anything in the NBA. Not to disparage him, it's the NBA. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work out for everybody, but um, yeah, that's why he is on a training camp deal with us now at a relatively young age. I don't know that off the top of my head, but he can't be 30. Um, oh, no. He's yeah. got to be like 27 maybe. Yeah. Let me check that. Yeah. So we have him and Patton on training camp deals. The Stauskas deal was originally reported as, as a one-year deal by a Zach Lowe. But, um, I mean, it was kind of well-documented by a lot of uh, Bucks analysts that we did not have the room to pay someone uh, for – for the entire year, and that's why we were kind of capped at 14 roster spots. Yeah. Um, and why we went through on the last podcast that um, likely our next move, um, less on the fringes, like a training camp deal, would be signing someone around the trade deadline on like yeah. a buyout. Um, like Marvin Williams. Um, um, I would also just like to confirm Nick Stauskas is, is 27. Damn. Okay. Yeah, hit it. Okay. Hit it. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I guess similar to Stauskas, Justin Patton, um, maybe even younger, but um, I am, uh, you know, these these were at least guys who had uh, pretty good prospects at some 20, point. He's only 23. He's only, holy cow. Yeah, I think, that, I think that was a part of the allure for him actually in the draft. Yeah. Was that he was a very young guy, one of the youngest in the draft, and he could shoot as a big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Sorry, we maybe don't really need to. Oh no! That, but. but also, I'm just remembering he was in. He was actually in the trade. I believe he was in the Jimmy Butler trade. Oh, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because he. Um, let me think. I think the trade had ever had already gone through, but the Bulls were uh, making a selection for the Timberwolves um, when they traded for Jimmy Butler on draft night hope i said that correctly you know uh, that that's a tough one to really rethink off the top of that our head as well there's yeah. so many moving pieces involving jimmy butler now so yeah i'm pretty certain he was involved in that yeah Dear Lord, i know he started his career yeah, 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 with yeah, the wolves you're right, in that you're trade right. yeah, so because yeah. i remember yeah. i liked justin Patton in that draft but mm-hmm. when they were the ones who took him i was like hmm, i don't know about that seems a bit unnecessary that's true, that's true. yeah but um I mean, really, with training camp deals, as long as I like know the guys ahead of time and know yeah, that they absolutely. have prospects at some point, I am uh, I do. as high on it as I can be for a training camp deal. I, I'd say about both these guys, I liked both of them coming out of the draft uh, definitely a long time ago with Stouts because at this point, what was that, 2014 draft with Wiggins in them? Yeah, yeah, was it, it was that draft. I like yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked them a lot. I thought that was a fine fit pick for the Kings. So when the fact that that turned into a meme. It was a bit disappointing for me, you know. Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, it could be the fact that he has uh, Lithuanian heritage that that I'm high out, on. The shout unbiased. out to Skis. He's yeah. got the S K A S K A S at the end of his last yeah. name, similar to your boys. So, yeah. Tuva. So that's that's a shame. Justin looked like he could shoot the ball pretty well out of college. He's been injured a lot. Um, 
Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say like if they make the roster, they're going to be big for us anyway. Like, yeah, I would say they would have to. They'd have to show a lot and really surprise us to make the roster. Yeah, I mean, this might really for them just even if they do good, they might not make the roster, and it might be just a showing for them to make a different roster as well. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So not the biggest news on the Bucks front there, but certainly worth mentioning. Um, we're getting to the, towards the end of the podcast here, so I'm going to have. My last note here, and then Drew can share uh, share or plug anything he wants to, if he has any closing thoughts. But I wanted to go through, uh, lastly, the uh, Rocky Rococo uh, scenario that we have for us here. I went through last podcast that Rocky Rococo's, uh, along with Nuckafew Buck, were able to successfully complete uh, the first trade of the offseason, and we are at a higher success rate than our own Milwaukee Bucks as far as completing <laughs> trades. So, uh, throw me in, throw me in the front office with, uh, John Horst. Um, I guarantee I will at least be able to recall the, uh, the, uh, forgetting the term, but let's just say, uh, I'm aware of what a non-bird, uh, free agent or the non-bird exception is, and I will be able to use that properly. So that's my pitch for being in the Bucks front office. Back to the Rocky Rococo situation. They were uh, kind enough to send me the agreed upon uh, two uh, coupons for uh, large whole pies. Now you're probably thinking, Devin, what the heck are you going to do with two large whole pies? Obviously, I would love to eat both of those whole pies. Maybe it wouldn't be best to do it in one sitting, but... Um, you know, I have to admit, your boy has been considering getting into eating... Uh, eating uh, competition so oh nice it could be one, it could be one Big time. yeah yeah it's it's huge um but i may have more news on that front later but i am giving away one of those large whole pie coupons to uh one of my loyal listeners we have a couple a uh, few participants up to this point but uh if i wasn't able to explain it better on last podcast uh or on social media before i'll give it another shot it's pretty simple all you need to do to enter this contest is to take a screenshot of either your Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. You just need to show me proof that you are subscribed. That's really all you have to do. And then you will be entered in a raffle. Someone will pick pick a name out of a hat and then that is how we'll determine who will get this second uh, large whole pie from Rocky Rococo's. And if you are not near a Rocky Rococo location, I'll simply... Venmo you the dollar value, roughly fifteen to twenty dollars for a large whole pie. If you is win. it really that? I think. Dang. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not even trying to assist in the plug. I'm just more excited that the fact that I submitted for this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so it's really quick and easy, and I hope more of you will be interested in entering this raffle. But. Uh, yeah, I have no issues Venmoing if you're not near a Rocky Rococo location because that just gives me another, another excuse to later on get a Rocky Rococo pizza. And these uh, coupons do expire, I believe, at the end of June 2021. But oh. why would you wait that long and get yeah, a pizza? Yeah, if I get that, I'm using it immediately. Yeah, true, true. Um, but yeah, you can submit those screenshots to uh, either of my social media pages. That's Nuck If You Buck NBA. The U is just the letter U. The rest is as it sounds. Or you can email me at nuckifyoubuckthepod 
U is Y-O-U there. Otherwise, everything else is as it sounds at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it then. Uh, Drew, do you have any other uh, closing thoughts or anything you'd like to plug for the listeners? Yeah, I'm really excited. I've never like said this or tweeted this before. Like, If you have a problem with anything I said, uh, my Twitter handle is Drewski Pooski. Uh, <laughs> Drew Ski. Ski like the ski, like you're skiing on a mountain. Mm-hmm. Poo like you, number like, two. Like poo. Yes, like poo. Ski <laughs> again, the same word. It's straight through. Come at me on Twitter if you have a beef. Let me hear it. Uh yeah. So just come at me if you got something. If not, whatever, dude. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Nuck if you buck. And that's that is uh, just think Drew skiing like like skiing like winter skis. Poo, poo, and then again, skis like winter skis. If you're uh, trying to come at us and, uh, yeah, don't worry, brother. I got you back if we got uh, any player haters out there. You know I'm always, you buck. I'm always ready for a beef. Yeah, you know uh, we're ready for that action on Nuck If You Buck. Um, but first and for- foremost, we're lovers, not fighters. So I will bid all the lis- listeners farewell out there. And Drew... I'll uh, see you immediately after this podcast, brother. Absolutely. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.